Hello, hello, everybody. This is No Chick Flick Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. Hi, Remy. I am your other co-host, B. And hi, guys. We. Hey. <laughs> How, how's everyone doing? Yeah. How you doing? Rip. It's a fun. <laughs> it's a fun Thursday, right? Uh, I'm just like a moment <laughs> of silence for all the not fun it was. <laughs> oh no. No, it was really good, but. Um, we are No Chick Flick Moments, and we are here today to cover Season 15, Episode 3, The Rupture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this was an episode written by Robert Bobo Behrens and directed by Charles Beeson. And, wow, this was a really good episode. And I'd say that just mentioning Beeson here, because there is a lot of shots that were taken that were just beautiful. Oh, it's a gorgeous episode. I'm, I'm, God damn it. <laughs> I know. God damn it. I'm mad that it was, that the episode was so pretty because it was so emotionally compromising. I'd rather just be mad at it and not have to think about the emotional part. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that the directing and the cinematography definitely, definitely deserves a kudos here for this episode. The VFX and the editing, too. Mm-hmm. And the script. My God. The, I'm like everything. 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 I, I'm in third grade and everyone's getting stickers on their homework. (laughs) So the description for this episode reads, Sam and Dean, together with Rowena, work tirelessly to keep all of hell from breaking loose. Cassiel cannot forgive an arrogant betrayal. Okay, here we go. Yeah. We open up with new hunters. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful hunters. I said, Stevie, the most beautiful hunter ever, is on guard with (laughs) other hunters at the sealed warding perimeter around Harland. And we can see ghosts popping off like fireworks against the barrier and just get the sense of a looming threat coming. Yeah. And um, one of the hunters that's... uh, We have two hunters that aren't named. And then the the named woman hunter, Stevie. uh, But one of the other hunters with her uh, turns to Stevie to say, is it just me or are those hits coming faster? And she says... And she's like, yeah, we're hooped. Don't worry. Yeah. It is not just you. But... uh, but you know we're we're working on it because we cut to the cemetery, the same cemetery mm-hmm. that we've seen um, multiple times through the last couple of episodes, and we have uh, Sam, Dean, Cass, Belfagar, and Rowena. Yes, they are en route to a secure location within the warding, and it is a place where Rowena is going to cast a spell that can turn what she says as gossamer into concrete. So essentially they're going to shore up the warding and harden it with this spell. Yeah. And right off the bat, she's very confident it will work. Yep. She, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. She's like, she is sure that she can do this. She says it's a simple spell and, and she can, she's, she can get it done. No problem. And they'll be home by high tea. Mm hmm. God bless. We can see that there are ghosts pouring out of the hellmouth that's still in the cemetery. There's no zombos walking around. And the secure location they settle on is that Carver's Crypt. And I really like Dean looking at it and just going like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Cass that first looked to it and said like, a secure location, huh? 
And it's like, well, fuck. <laughs> and so, like, the carver could either be Carver Edlin, Chuck's pseudonym, or it could be in reference to the Carver era of the show. But I just liked, ugh. Oh, oh, you're getting meta with it. I why see. not? That's why? the whole point of this. <laughs> That's why we're here, Remy. <laughs> I was I was just looking at the surface level like ew of 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 damp, dark, uh crypt. Okay. Okay. Oh, I get <laughs> I it. do think that one's definitely there, but I do like the little tongue in cheek of it specifically saying Carver's crypt on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh they go inside the crypt and they start prepping salt lines, they barricade the door. And Rowena works through the spell, and she connects with the warding, but it's going well until it isn't. Yeah, yeah. She is, again, confident, and she is uh, rattling off this spell, and it seems to be building in her, and back to where Stevie and the other hunters are, we see the, uh, what looks like the ward, the warding strengthening. And, uh, but then, but then Rowena falters. And from her point of view, we see her having these flashes of, um, of some of the ghosts that we had seen in the last couple of episodes. And, and, and it's a very, um, she seems to be being assaulted by these spirits, and that's actually yeah. exactly what is happening. She uh, she starts getting kind of desperate in her chanting, but it's it's not working. We see her power f- fizzling out a little bit, and but with one last r- repetition of her of her command, um, mm-hmm. the spell backfires on her. Yeah, it essentially breaks yeah. because she explains this a little bit later, but she had to channel, she had to commune with the warding. And so all of the ghosts that were pounding against it, you know, these are hell's ugliest souls and she could feel their anger, feel their hatred and rage. Yeah. And that coursed through her and it essentially just overwhelmed her. Like she became a vessel for all of that emotion and it was just too much for her. She had to break the spell. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a better. That's more than I got out of it. Well, I I was taking it that way because of how she reacts after. Oh, yeah. You know, the spell's broken. She's sitting there, and the first thing she's going is like a drink, and they pass her water. And she's like a real drink, and we get this delightful eye conversation between Sam and Dean. Like, <laughs> Dean, I know you got a flask. Hand it over. And Dean at first <laughs> like, no, no, no. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, but. Belfagor points out that she's failed, but she explains that it was this anger just short-circuiting her. It's too strong to save the wall. And it, it was just her almost hysterical. Like, she seemed so overwhelmed. And that, to me, just spoke that it was all of these emotions going through her, whether she wanted to experience them or not. Yeah, and that's what she says. She says, I felt them. I felt all of them. And, and they are fury they are wrath and and no magic can save us now yeah their approach isn't going to work Mm -hmm. and so they start brainstorming but rowena she's just wiped right now she's got no advice to give she's just saying like hindsight's 2020 if i'd gotten here sooner we could have done something but the cat's out of the bag now it's just too late there's nothing i can do 
And Dean is standing there saying, that's that's bullshit. No, no. Yeah. He, he's There's got to be something. Yeah. He's saying, we're going to go out there and we are going to uh, take out as many of those ghosts as we can. Um, the the wall's going to fall in a couple of hours. Fine. But I'm going to go we're gonna out We're going to go out and, swinging. Yeah. And do something about it. But, but, but Sam is more focused on Rowena in this moment. Yeah. Well, because Dean's trying to rally the troops by yelling at them. And, like, at this point, it's yelling at Rowena. And Sam is much more empathic about this. Like, stopping that approach and going to Rowena going, you okay? Do you need anything? Yeah. So it's just... You can see Dean right now is so fixated on the finish line that he is almost ignoring the human elements along the way. We saw it last episode and the one before with how he was treating Cass and to a lesser extent Sam, but it was still him going, what's next on the to-do list? Let's get it done. Let's go. There's no time for emotion. Keep moving. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, but, but here we see Sam, uh, reaching out with that empathy and, and Rowena asks for a moment. And while Dean is stopping away in disgust, uh, you know, we're, oh, we're just going to give up now. Yeah. We don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. Sam does, you know, give, uh, Rowena a shoulder to lean on for, for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and so while this was going on, um, Belfagor, basically, as soon as he pointed out Rowena failed, he went outside mm-hmm. and Cass is like, fuck, you're going without adult supervision and followed <laughs> after him. And he was asking Belfagor, well, are you leaving? Like, are you done? And Belfagor goes, no, he just wanted to go look at the Hellmouth. And he takes this moment to point out that Cass still isn't looking at him. Yeah. Which I'm like, that is just, this is the episode where we really get to sit with Cass and his reactions to Belfagor. Because we saw in the first episode of this season just how angry he was to see a demon possessing Jack's body. But now this episode, we really get to explore the nuances of that. Yeah, we get to deep dive into everything that Cass is feeling about a lot of things right now. Yeah, yeah. so this scene is just giving us a little bit of a teaser taste of what's going to come. Belfagor being this little poking stick in Cass's side. We're going to see how quickly Cass gets fed up with that. Yeah, and, and you know, right here at the top and through the whole episode, Balfagor is very pokey at Cass. Mm-hmm. He is having some fun. Yeah, and point, we'll see how it escalates. Trying to break down. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, for now, back at that Carver's Crypt, Rowena, she's sitting off on her own, and she's contemplatively looking at some of her books But Dean, on another side of the crypt, he's brusquely loading a bandolier with salt rounds and just saying, I'm not giving up. That's what I'm doing. He just can't wait. He needs action. Yeah. And Sam is the one who's who's sitting with Dean here and and, and trying to talk to Dean. Um, And Dean is again saying, like, I I am not going to take a knee. I have to do something. Mm-hmm. And Sam is kind of coming at it from a place of 
like a more logical approach like what's the not what's the point but you heard what Rowena said there's there's not like there's nothing we can do like this is this is basically suicide um but again Dean is Dean is if I'm gonna go down then I'm gonna go down swinging and yeah, he's saying we're going to end this. We're going to be free. Like he sees know, yeah. this as them escaping Chuck. They need to do this task because that's what it represents to them. It it's you know, it goes back to episode 1 um where where it, Dean, you know, I think Dean is still very down, but in episode 1, we had Dean down with no motivation. Forward motion. Right, right. And it was, you know, when Sam said, look, God is gone and that is a good thing. We, we can, we can finally have our free will. And yeah, we can get out of this maze. Yeah, yeah. And, and we had Sam and Dean uh, at the Impala and Dean saying, well, then we have work to do. It was like a pact that they were making. Yeah. You know? We're going to get through this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do it together. And then this is what it means. Yeah, yeah. And then and then we have Dean here saying, and like you said, we are going to be free. And I really like that line. I think there was a lot in that line. Yes. It tells a lot about where his mind is at right now. Yeah. He's just cutting all of the chaff away from the wheat. He is just focused on this one thing. And unfortunately, there are some significant consequences that come with this. Yeah. And like you can see Sam is trying to impart a bit of this to Dean because he's saying that he's also freaked out. But Dean's going, I'm not freaked out. I'm angry. I'm pissed. And Sam takes the moment to clarify at God. And Dean goes, yeah, at God. Like, his anger is splashing on everyone around him, but it's not directed towards them. That's just the aftermath of his behavior. Yeah. And again, it's very telling and and kind of foreshadowing <laughs> that, uh, that Sam here can sit with Dean in you know feeling some of that anger coming from Dean but yeah. he, Sam knows to clarify like you're mad at God right you're not yeah. mad at me you're not yeah. mad at Rowena you're mad at God and 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 D- Dean like takes the out right because he's always given an out and this is going to come up later but mm-hmm. basically Dean is given an out and he takes it and he's like, yeah, of course. Like, and, and then he does, you know, talk more about, about why he's mad at God and, yeah. and why, and why he's not going to take this sitting it. down. He calls it this, th- I, I no, I'm not going to take this God's sloppy ass ghost apocalypse. This is the end game. and again it's getting to like this meta level they're lampshading the structure that has come before like this was the parting note that we saw from chuck so in as far as we know this was the last attention he paid to the winchesters and yeah it was a tantrum that he threw that ruptured hell and Dean's just sitting here like this is the worst fucking apocalypse he could think of for us and we're not gonna (laughs) let that that basically that loser who watches us for fun win 
we're going to go out. And so it's just this personal fight to Dean. It's not just about saving the town and stopping the ghosts. It's a fuck you to Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in between episode one and now, he sat down and decided, no, after all that we've been through, this is not going to be what ends us. Yeah, yeah. And, and I do think that what that conversation we saw between him and Cass in episode two is feeding into this because he's saying, like, nothing's real. My whole life isn't real. And so this is something where he can go with autonomy thinking that this is the exit to this maze I'm coming through. You know, this ghost apocalypse is the last wall in this maze. Yeah. And once I bust through it, I can start having things that are real. Yeah, yeah. So Dean is very, very motivated. And, you know, I like, like, fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and and it, Sam... Sam says, okay, okay. And he stands up and he goes to Rowena, and, who yeah. is still looking at her books. And he and he asks, um, anything in there that can help? And she's like subtly hiding the page that she was reading. Yeah. Did you look at the page that she was reading? There looked like there's some chakra shit going on there. Yeah, it did, didn't it? <laughs> so I'm like, there's some sort of connectivity. Like, it's this this episode is really we see a couple cases of hidden motivations and just when was the seed planted for these alternative behaviors that our main characters like Sam, Dean, and Cass aren't aware of. And so this here is just a small, subtle moment, but it is something that in hindsight seems quite significant. Yeah. Yeah. And Rowena looks up, she kind of closes the book um, and, and says, not, not a thing. Yeah. So no solutions on the horizon just yet. Yeah. We cut back to Belfagar mm-hmm. and Cass out at the Hellmouth. Yeah. And um, Cass is asking Belfagar, why did you want to find this? Referring to the Hellmouth. Why did you want to come here? Mm-hmm. And and Belfagar is kind of looking over the edge and he's, well, now this is... <laughs> This is where I try to try to talk about things and then I fail spectacularly because <laughs> I, I just have the you don't have eyes line, but I don't have <laughs> I don't have the line that prompted that line. So. I think that line was just basically like, look in my eyes, I can tell you or like you, you can't even look me in the eyes. Uh-huh. And then Cass goes, you don't even have eyes. Uh-huh. Like he's deflecting. And Belfagor is deflecting, and I'm like, no one can talk straight in this fucking show. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Belfagor, I have an idea, but you won't like it. So time to go back to the crypt. Yeah, I really loved the scene. It's it's a it's a bit of a prolonged scene where Belfagor um, presents his his idea on something that they can work towards to seal the to seal the the wound, but. You know, I don't know. I just really like that from start to finish, you know, idea, plan, execution. We see mm-hmm. all of our characters just just standing there and working together to work out how they're going to get this done. Yes. So Belfagor is presenting to the group this um He's breaking down the Lilith's Crook, which mm-hmm. is essentially a device that can be used to retrieve all of Hell's lost creatures. It would just basically hoover them back into Hell. And it's never needed to be used before because Lilith just had the amount of fear she needed to impose on her minions. But 
Belfagor says that he has an idea where it is, and if they retrieve it, that could be their way of getting everything back into hell. Yeah. And, oh, oh, and I just realized why I like this scene. Yeah? It's it's because it reminds me very, very strongly of the opening scenes of uh, Ouroboros. When with with Cass, Dean, Sam, Rowena, mm. Jack in in the kitchen, yeah, the fuck the Gorgons. It's not Jack. <laughs> I know it's not. I know <laughs> the Gorgons' l- latest victim, and they're all just like talking, and it's just it's just like three minutes of them talking, but but these actors just click so well that oh, I know it's it's just this. Uh, amazing the chemistry chemistry yeah that comes that comes out in these Mm -hmm. kinds of scenes so but it's not jack but still alex yeah (laughs) killing it yeah yeah but yeah as soon as belfavor breaks this down rowena she starts putting those cogs to turn in and she says that she can work a spell that is going to heal it it's it's not going to shore up this warning it's instead going to focus on this hell mouth and if it's a wound she's going to seal it shut and it's a spell of her own devising it's going to be basically this hex bag that someone's going to hold beside the hell mouth she and a partner are going to charge inside of the crypt and then when that the hex bag starts glowing, toss it into the hell mouth. That shit will close. So they are hashing out kind of who's going to do what roles. Dean is going to be the one to toss the hex bag in. And Belfagor, she's kind of like, well, how will we know when your part is done? And Belfagor's like, believe me, when Lilith Crix is going, <laughs> you're going to fucking know. But then Rowena's picking her partner. Yes, she says mm-hmm. all. I, I, it's just a few simple ingredients: some myrrh, some some lavender, a uh, owl skull, and an assistant. And mm-hmm. then she says, "Dibs on Sam, Samuel. <laughs> Dibs on Samuel. Oh my God! So, so the second that she said an assistant, I'm like." screaming into my fist like i'm like my eyes are just as wide as they can be i'm like please say what you're gonna say and then she does dibs on samuel and then i want to cheer it gets better i know i know i know i know i know and uh sam is a bit taken aback he he's he says what Mm -hmm. and she gives him a oh please look she says uh you are as close to a seasoned witch as anyone in this lot. So <laughs> so I'm tagging you in. And yeah. and it's just like my heart bursts open because of Witchy Sam. Witchy Sam. <laughs> I would fucking love it. I know. I know. Oh I mean, I, I haven't had Witchy Sam feels since like season 10. It's... <laughs> It's so great. I really, I really do like that, like, you know, that element to his character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Rowena and Sam, spell working. Dean, front man to the Hellmouth. Belfagor is going underground. And Belfagor uh, comes in to say, well, how about my assistant? Who's going with me? And there's a bit of a double take all around. And Belfagor says... 
I, 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 you expect me to go down there with all the denizens of hell alone? And, and he says, no, I want protection. I want some muscle. And mm, mm, mm. without missing a beat. And he's looking and, you know, he is kind of looking to Cass and without, like you said, without missing a beat, Dean says, yeah, Cass will go. Yeah. And Cass's face here. Yeah. He, he is just like the fuck yeah like he even's like i guess like i have no say in this matter i guess i'm going right right and and dean looks to Cass and says you've been to hell before you'll be fine yeah or you can handle it not even you'll be fine there's no show of of concern at all no just like there's no measure of the risk there's nothing like that no and like we'll see this kind of again belfagor with that poking needle of his but it really, in this moment, was just speaking to how there's no respect for Cass's no. grief regarding Jack. No. No. Because we just had a scene ago. And, I mean, forget what we had a scene ago. Episode one, we we had Cass telling Dean, I can't stand to even look at him. I cannot yeah. be with this boy. I cannot work with him. Yeah. And then here we have Dean just not even batting an eye no throwing him under the bus and you know what really gets me about this how much of a slap to the face must this be to Cass coming from Dean who is generally very protective of his family yeah Cass knows Dean. Cass knows what Dean has and would sacrifice, not just for like the general idea of family, like like Sam or Mary, but but for Cass specifically. Like Cass knows that Dean has fought for him at at times, but here we have Dean. Just like you said, no uh, thought spared for the risk of of what this means for or Cass. the cost of or what the it means. Cost of what it means, both emotionally and and you know, I'm going to hell. I guess I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. I I'm just looking at it like it, it, if I was Cass, it would hurt because Dean would never volunteer Sam for such a task. Yeah. If Belfagor pointed said, I need Sam to go, Dean would be like, no fucking way. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and Cass knows Dean and, and Cass knows that this is, it, it, it's just a stab to the gut if, coming from Dean it's, in particular. It's Dean straight up going, here's why you're a good choice. You've been to hell before. You can handle it. Like it's going back to that utilitarian level with Cass. And that is a raw nerve that we will definitely see being prodded later. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Damn Dean. Damn Dean. The fuck. The fuck. Next scene. Ketch wakes up in a hospital. He's a bit bleary at first, but his first instinct is to try and leave the hospital. He needs to get back to Harlan. He wants to help out that critical situation. And there is a nurse that is protesting against this, and a doctor approaches behind her, and the nurse is like, oh, Dr. Clark. But it's not. It's a demon in this doctor's body. And it is quickly revealed this demon is Ardat. Yeah, yeah. And... 
and catch he when he realizes that it is Ardet, he immediately uh, charges her and and is on the attack now i'm just we had him just last episode like oh this demon hired me for the job like i've had a conversation with her before and and i, I, I presumably accepted money from her to to assassinate belfagor so it just it just Mm, again, there's that disconnect between uh, uh, how we are writing Ketch's character because he says in this scene, he says Ardat with such disgust in his voice and then immediately attacks. Like, this is a demon. I'm going to kill the demon. But Do you know how I took this? How? I took it as he made his deal or whatever working with her last episode. But in this one, he knows that he's failed. Like his uh-huh. time's up or whatever. She expected results by a certain point and he's failed. So he's immediately like, I am vulnerable and she is coming to see me in a place where I'm vulnerable. So all of these lines are telling me she's not here to chit chat or like renegotiate terms. Uh-huh. She's here because I failed and here are my consequences coming at me. Yeah, that's valid. That's true too. Yeah. But yeah. I I I just you know, this this one scene with Ketch, it was for me, it was looking at Ketch and being like, Oh, there he is. The catch that we have seen in the last couple of seasons versus the catch that we saw last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one definitely follows more logically because last episode we snagged, like, why the hell would he make a deal with a demon to go kill another demon? Why wouldn't he just kill the first demon and then go find the next demon and kill it too? Yeah, yeah, but... but um, that but- was last episode's critique <laughs> that we're not doing that this episode. <laughs> So so catch uh, catch does attack Ardat and and she is coming in swinging as well and she is you know overpowering him. He yeah. stumbles over to uh the uh the closet at, at the side of the room and he tears open his coat to withdraw a, a angel blade um but she disarms him and and pins him to that same wardrobe. Yes, he's pinned by the neck and she is trying to pump him for information regarding Belphegor and saying, you wouldn't protect a demon, so he must be with friends of yours. So where are they? And just saying, like, are you going to protect them at any cost? Like, are you willing to die for this, essentially? We do see Ketch, you know, running those numbers in in that moment. And he hardens, him, hardens himself to say, not at any price. Yeah. This is not a betrayal I'm going to commit. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows what he's doing by saying that. He yeah. knows what he's condemning himself to. And I get squeamish because what's coming next? Oh, Remy, yeah. take it away. <laughs> and Ardat uh, sees the resolution in him. And uh, she plunges her hand in his, into his chest. Oh, my God. And it takes out his still beating heart. Remy, take it away from here. <laughs> and and pass out for 30 to 50 seconds. And leaves him for dead. So that was Ardat. <laughs> and, and, and that was Catch. And that was Catch. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. And now Catch is dead. Sorry. I, I like, I, I hardened myself to that one detail. You're like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> Once the heart is outside of the body, <laughs> the body stops doing its thing. 
she, she yeah she kills him and that 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 that's the end of catch and yeah, rip yeah rip but i really i really did like his goodbye um i thought it was good yeah i thought it was sufficient for his character how about that yes yes we talked a little bit about redemption um in last episode and and uh here like you say it is a good end for his character on that on that redemption level i mean i don't think that not that this is a redemption but it's it's what he decided he wanted for himself yeah, and like this episode is really seeing the characters, what sort of hill are they willing to die on, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately, that's not metaphorical. <sighs> but yeah. yeah, Catch is just, this is something where he's going to keep his integrity and he's not going to give away their position. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's by Catch. I, I, I by did, Catch. I did like your character. Um, but anyways, so, <laughs> so we're back at the graveyard and we're with Belfagor and Cass and they are ready to, you know, put this plan into motion. They are at yes. the hell mouth and, um, I'm trying to think of what Belfagor says. Well, Belfagor is just, again, trying to needle. He goes, mm. so do you have any plans on how you're going to get back out topside? Oh, and yeah. Cass is going, I'll figure it out. And Belfagor is trying to shake him by pointing out, you know, it's really dangerous. And Sam and Dean didn't really seem to care that you could die on this. And it's it's getting to Cass, even though Cass isn't trying to show this, because when they're standing by this hellmouth, Cass is just like, I've had enough of this one, and just pushes Belphegar in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She, he, he says, so how are we... Or how are you planning to get down there? And Belfagor's like, oh, I don't know. I didn't really see any stairs or anything. And Cass, Yoink. Just, <laughs> Cass, Cass is just, yeah, yeah. Would be yet better if he yeeted him down there, but a push That'll was sufficient. Work. And then his cute little hop after him. I, I was know. like, I can sense the stunt mat that he was hopping on. Oh my like, God. It, well, I thought it was pretty badass. He just, I thought it was good. Right I in. thought it was good, but I was straight up like, that is the position you would take if you were planning to land on your ass on a mat. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, we see them go down to hell Uh-huh. and back into the crypt. Stevie has shown up and she's dropping off supplies that they've requested. Yeah. Yeah. The ingredients for the spell, including the owl skull and <laughs> Dean going RIP Hedwig. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Stevie, Stevie hands that over and she's, and Rowena just takes it and Stevie's like, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, RIP Hedwig. Like who's never read Harry Potter, Dean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a little quick rundown also of what's going on outside of the crypt. Stevie says that the ghosts seem to be all congregating at the walls and she's asking them, so is this another long shot Hail Mary spell you guys are planning on doing? And Dean, in this harsh tone we talked about before, he's going, yeah, except hopefully this time it'll work. And yeah. like that look directed at Rowena. Yeah. Again, he is just lashing out at anyone and everybody. It's just, he's head down, feet running towards that finish line. He needs out of that maze. And that's all he cares about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on on that, a little bit, D- Dean gets a text and and he looks and he says, it's Ketch. And Ketch says he's ready to get back in the game. Yeah. But we see on the other side of the phone there, Ardette is using Ketch's phone to locate Dean and by proxy, Belphegor. 
Yeah. And and Dean, he's like, all right, come on, get down here. We're at the crypt. And Ardat kind of gets out of Dean that Cass and Belphegar are going to hell while Rowena and Sam are working the spell. And, and, you know, we're, we're here. So come on down. Yeah. So she can just skip the middleman. She doesn't even have to go to the crypt. She's like, oh, hell, that's where Belphegar is. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, hell. Yeah. Cass and Belphegar are in hell. And Cass is just a little suspicious right off the bat, pointing out how quiet it is down here. Because didn't Belphegor say it was super dangerous? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Belphegor is like, oh, well, you know, I guess I guess everyone made a run for it. But this, we're in hell. Hold on, I have to fangirl for a moment. Because, because I, I mean, it's been, it's been two years since we've been in hell. I, Three, isn't it? It's been yeah, you know, it's been years. Um the last time that we saw like shoot, a hell hell not a, a hell not Crowley in his throne room or Crowley and uh, his little like dungeon. Um mm-hmm. it was probably season 9. I don't even know. Yeah. I'm yeah, not there. But... So I just am like, this is the first time we're in hell. Oh, it's really cool. It's a really cool set, too. We have this long hallway, towering statues. Um, and like basaltic rock figure. Like the whole structure is really speaking of old school volcanic mortar brimstone. We're getting yeah. all those feelings evoked. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this hell set uh, in our Vancouver episode because the set director, Jerry Wanick, was talking about the hell set and how he was he he was excited about that set and it was a fun challenge on how to conceptualize hell and we see more than just this hallway in a minute but um it was something that I've been kind of waiting for 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 a little while so it and it and it is a good it was a good payoff yeah. Stormy red sky above, too, and then just these looming walls that seem far taller than they need to be. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so like like we said, Cass Cass is suspicious. Um, it's quiet here in Buffgorse. Too quiet. And no, no, that dog that dog won't hunt. Yeah, we ain't doing a bit here. (laughs) Um. But Belphegor finally is like, all right, all right, you got me. I, I wanted company. I wanted your company. Mm-hmm. And he goes in to say, you know, Sam and Dean, I think they're really warming up to me. I think I'm growing on them. But, but you know, if I'm going to get in good, then, you know, I got to get in and go with the angel. And I think that we could be friends is what Belphegor is trying to say, mm-hmm. trying to get at. And he's laying a trap for Cass to walk into, essentially. He really is. He is. Because Cass says, you are not growing on anybody. Sam and Dean are just using you. And don't mistake that for them caring about you because they don't. Yeah, I can assure you they don't. Mm. And then Balfour goes right back like, wow, you learned that the hard way. Like, just exploiting that fear of Cass's, of being needed only per your usefulness. And you know what really got me about this scene? It really was almost like Cass 
intentionally or not, was tricked into voicing those yep. inner fears. Like, we see, we know that Cass uh, has thinks, a complex has this, this complex yeah yeah thinks that he is only uh he a lot of his self-worth revolves around um his perceived usefulness yes and like the last two seasons we saw him growing away from that and i also think that's why season 14 it was so important to him to protect this family that he's developed with sam Dean and Jack and Mary and he was willing to go for bat for that and like hide his fears in hopes of maintaining that structure that equilibrium that they had found where he had felt more like a family member than a weapon yeah it took so many years to build up to this point to finally feel like one of the family but but now we've had three episodes of seeing how dismissive his quote-unquote family can be. Yeah, we're seeing how quickly that good faith he was holding is getting eroded because right from the get-go of Belfagor's introduction in episode one, he goes, oh, and I need angel blood. And then Dean and Sam are both like, come on, get to it. Yeah, And Cass is like, oh, we're not going to fucking question this? Like, okay, happy to bleed for the Winchesters. Like, Oh, yeah. Woof. Yeah, woof. And, and you know, Belfagor says, you know, oh, learn that from experience, didn't you? And Cass, we just see him blast back to where he was five years ago. Like, all of that growth was w- worth nothing because, Dean, you fucker, you've basically told him that... We're not there, but we are there, but we're not there. It's fine. Okay. So. Yeah, we're fine. So Cass does take that hit and we have Balfagor. Mm, I, I wouldn't say that he outwardly like relishes that or recognizes that, but I think that he, he, he does feel like he's putting a little tally mark in his one for yeah. Belfagor, zero if, for if Cass. If this is like a sword fight, he has put Cass onto his back foot, and now yeah. he's taking this opportunity to lunge forward again. Yeah, he says, so, no, really, what's with all the animosity? And and Cass just says, you're wearing Jack, who was as a son to me, like a coat. And and you... It's intolerable. Mm, yes. It's an yes. abomination. Like, he has such strong feelings about this. And it just makes me think again, he has had no outlet for this up to this point. Sam and Dean haven't shown nearly the same regard to Jack's body being used in this fashion. And Cass doesn't have anywhere else that he can turn to and be like, this is fucked, yo, and I'm really upset about this. He's tried to tell Sam and Dean at the crypt when Jack was first possessed, in the car, with, with when mm-hmm. when Dean was trying to get Jack and Balfagor to go out and, 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 and protect the town. No, I mean, it, he has tried to say these things to Sam and Dean. It's just and that Sam not- and Dean are in these various levels of 
head down, feet running. We just have to get this done. We don't have many allies out there. We have an actual enemy of God. So we need to kind of take what we can get, run with it as long as we can, and then cut the strings. And you can just see in this moment, Cass is starting to go, like, if they're willing to do that with a demon, who's to say that they're not just doing that with me too? Yeah. Yeah. Cass says, it's intolerable. It's an abomination. You are an abomination. And and he storms away. Yes. They continue down this hall and we see these giant doors at the end of it. We hear some rustling behind it in what we are told is Lilith's chambers. And when these doors open, we can see a demon named Malphadine who is just looting the place. He knows Belle and they're trying to chat a little <laughs> bit. And Cass is like, we do not have time and just kills Malphadine with little fanfare. Yeah. Um. So the Haxon ring... Mm-hmm. That that Belphegor points out. I I know that ring. Why do I know that ring? I didn't look it up because I thought that maybe you would know. And if you didn't know, then then I'm putting it out into the world that I know that ring. I think there was something mentioned about it that like it was a it was a callback to someone on the crew, like the last name. Um, I'll I will I will let you know if it actually was something like an actual prop from some other antagonist. But I'm telling you, I know this ring, so <laughs> we'll see. TBD, TBD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Malphadine's dead, and. So Cass is like, well, how do we know that the horn's even in here? And Belphegor is like, oh, I'm d- I don't know. I'm just going to douse for a little bit. And oh, hey, look at this box right here. It's in here. Yeah. And it's just, God, it's, it's delicious. I really like the subtle way that this character is being played. And like that Alex is doing this performance as Belphegor performing. Yeah, he is handling Cass, and 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 right for right now, Cass doesn't it hasn't clued in on it yet. I no, Cass has been suspicious from the get go. He hasn't had a reason not to follow through yet, though. Like, oh, you need someone to go with you to hell. Oh, no one is here when we're down here. This room's getting looted, but you conveniently know, like. The whole time, Cass is just like, there's shifty biscuits abound here. And he just hasn't had the moment yet where he can put his thumb on it and say, this is where you're fucking us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, 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 so he is still going along, but with, you know, a healthy dose of skepticism. Mm -hmm. Um, Belphegor points out this chest and he's looking at it. He's, you know giving it a once over and he's like oh what are these weird markings and and Cass says they're Enochian and he starts to read and and he says this is a song of praise to Lucifer and and these verses would be the key to unlock the the chest and and Belfgor's like nodding at the wall and saying like oh yeah pretty smart you know Lilith would be the only one who's able to read this exactly and i guess it's a good thing i brought you mhm and that i guess it's a good thing i brought you then um that is that gets a that gets a uh, a look from Cass. Yes, he is 
not buying it. But the thing is, and I, you know, I think that Belfagar knows that Cass is onto him, but Belfagar is not yet giving, like you said, giving Cass a reason to outright, to outright challenge him. Yes. Because again, this is the plan that they're on. Mm -hmm. And like Cass is basically, his hackles are raised and he's ready for this moment of betrayal. He he just senses it in the air and yeah. he's trying to be trusting. He's trying to give that benefit of the doubt to Belphegor in order to stay on the plan. But all of his senses within him are just screaming against going ahead. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> my 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 notes say, um, a good thing I brought you. Whoop, there it is. <laughs> yep. This is the moment that we, the audience, have been waiting for as well. Yeah, this is where it becomes really striking that Belphegor is there on his own machinations. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and Cass kneels by the chest and he recites the Enochian verses all the way around the body of this chest. And and Belphegor just lets him do it, knowing yeah. at the end that it doesn't work. And Belphegor goes, <laughs> oh, I mean, if there are verses to a song, maybe it needs to be sung. <laughs> and it's just like... Oh my god. I know. I know. When he said that, you know, I th maybe it needs to be sung. We get this I know it was like a second and a half, but for me sitting on my couch, it felt like an eternity <laughs> where we see Cass looking at Belphegor and Belphegor looking at Cass and me Is he going to do it? Is he M Misha? 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 And and then Cass turns to the chest, he opens his mouth, and we cut to the crypt. <laughs> well, we hear him sing one note, and then it's gone. I know! I can't believe we cut away! I wonder if it's going to be on the Blu-ray. I can't believe we cut away! Oh, I'm glad we cut away, just because that's the sort of thing that would trigger my secondhand embarrassment so badly I would have to leave the room. No, fuck you. I have been waiting. You're not there yet, but season nine, we get yeah. Cass singing to a baby. And I'm going to walk out of the room then, too. <laughs> Why? It was I, It's one of those things that triggers my... Secondhand embarrassment so bad. Oh I yeah, believe. singing, yes. seeing someone sing when they don't seem like they're comfortable to do it. Uh huh. Uh, that that that's fair. That's fair. Like I literally feel my spine attempting to leave my body. Uh -huh. It just pulls me off the couch, and I am helpless. But I have to follow it because otherwise I'll die. It'll rip out of me. Oh my god! You have to promise me that you will watch. I will do no such thing. You have to promise me that you'll watch Cass sing to the I baby. I can't make that promise He's... because I just fucking told you about how my spine instinctively <laughs> tries to kill me. He's 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 singing alone to an empty room. With only you a said baby. to an infant, yeah, the baby, and I'm sitting there judge. like a creeper, being like, he doesn't want to do this, <laughs> and uh, like again, my bones are fleeing <laughs> okay. my body. Okay, fine. I have to follow it. Fine, oh. I love, I love that scene though. I, I, 
I have one thing to say about this whole box thing, though, because, again, Cass's suspicions are so heightened right here. And I feel like this is really the moment where he becomes damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because he basically has three options. He doesn't know the way that it's going to play out. But at this point, he could deny Belphegor. You know, he could just listen to his instincts, not do this. But if he did that, then they failed the mission. And that's Cass's fault. He made the wrong call. He can go ahead and open it and let Belphegor take a hold of the horn and follow through with the mission. But then Cass would hold the blame for the consequences that come from that. Or he lets Belphegor take a hold of the horn briefly and stops him from his ultimate machinations and then gets the blame for failing the mission once again. Like, Cass is in a lose, 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 lose situation at this point. And it's just sinking into him, I think, that he wants to follow his gut. He's trying so hard to be faithful to the mission still at this point. I, I agree with that 100%. That's that's very true and accurate to what Cass is feeling right now because we do see him struggle against th- that that gut feeling. Yes. But 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 this is something that he still has to do. I'm like taking a moment to just hold my side because this is an angel and angels were meant to follow orders and just oh. They they weren't meant to have gut feelings or instincts that they follow. And here is our boy having one so strong that he is telling himself not to follow. He's telling himself to follow the mission instead. And I'm just like, I'm killing myself thinking about free will and what it means for Cass and all that shit. Like, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> He's grown so much. Oh my god, my son. Oh, Cass sings his single note, and we, uh, uh, Alex, your fucking face, Belphegor, like it, it's not even Belphegor. It's it's Alex breaking character to turn away. He's about to crack the fuck up, but we cut off on on Belphegor's smile, like like oh my god, I can't believe that worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We get a super brief scene of Dean positioning himself by the Hellmouth, and he's got a crowbar out, and he's kind of goes back up against one of these tall. What's the term? It's just a grave marker. Uh, Headstone. Anyways, and then we go back into the crypt, and Sam feels like he should be out with Dean. He should be fighting. But Rowena is countering that argument, saying, "You you don't think magic is fighting? Like each of us have our own part in this." You know, I mean, this is probably wishful thinking, but Sam is studying a book, trying to study a book, but he's really just pacing and and looking longingly to the door. Mm-hmm. And Rowena says, "Hey." I need you to memorize this. Like, you need to focus. You need to focus on your job. Yeah, you have an important task here, even if you don't feel like it's the one you should be doing. Yeah, and he says, I just, I, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I, it feels wrong that I'm, I'm here and I should be out there fighting. And for Rowena to say, and you think this isn't fighting? Mm-hmm. Um... 
we have after she says that after she she says like you are helping you are doing your part sam does focus in and he does listen and 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 my wishful thinking comes in with this Sam with powers, we've talked about his visions. Um, we've talked about the demon blood. We talked about what Sam used to be. Like, Sam, uh, he would lean in to those... Uh, uh, the the visions he was having the psychic abilities yeah and, and and with the demon blood he he wanted let's talk season three he wanted to train those powers he wanted to develop those powers because they could be useful but yeah he come he turned his back on those for the for good reasons read demon blood and the <laughs> way the way that it did cor- ultimately corrupt but but Sam always has been really witchy and and I want to I want him to accept all those parts of himself and and realize that he he can do m- more and I don't know he shouldn't be he yeah. he shouldn't feel like if he's not out there with a gun with a shotgun and a crowbar then he he he's not fighting. I totally agree. Like what I felt this was was Rowena taking just a moment to realign his perspective that she's like, "Well, no, like you you can't be dismissive about what you're doing right now just because it's not holding a shotgun, because it's not holding a knife. You are doing something of significant value here and like value it essentially." Yeah. And I just, I have hoped that this is an element that perhaps Sam can carry forward with him. This little lesson that she took the time to evoke to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Ah, this is, this is all me trying to tiptoe around. Rowena is not going to be there for them anymore after this episode. And I want to see Sam both take to heart the lessons she took the time to teach him mm-hmm. and honor her legacy with with those with yeah. those lessons and like, oh let's take a little moment here just talk about that because she she is saying like of the group here you're as close to a seasoned witch as we got yeah and like here is the things that you should be taking from this like i would love to see her legacy carry forward in Sam. I would love to see Sam yeah. honored what he has learned from her and how he has grown because of her and embrace that part of himself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I like this both because I think that we are going to be revisiting, uh, Sam's like inherent preternatural abilities and, and knowing what's going to, you know, end for Rowena this episode, mm-hmm. uh, I want to see him take that part of her and carry it forward. Um, yes. And feel good about putting his head down to learn those lines and feel like he's not wasting time by not picking up that shotgun. <laughs> Well, and maybe that he doesn't always turn first to the shotgun. He might turn to the spell book and go, you know, is there a solution I can take from here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
Rowena's books and bags. Yeah. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Slap dash that we're gonna we're gonna put that smile face on and we're gonna go to the next scene. Yeah. Hmm. So back in hell, the box pops open and Belfagar is again just needling at Cass. Yeah. Cass, your voice is like an angel. And Cass says, and I'm like, shut up. Fuck. You did that. Anyways. <laughs> shut Cass up. Cass is so reluctant to hand over this horn. Oh my God. God! It's just this moment, this palpable moment, where you can see Belfagor is being patient, but is actually very invested in the outcome of Cass's decision here. Yeah, yeah. Cass is the one to pick the horn up out of the box, and he has to hand it to Belfagor. And Belfagor, you know, again, he is playing Cass. He is, uh, well, I said handling Cass, but he uh, he is. He is handling Cass. Mm-hmm. Um, he thinks he has Cass like putty right now. Yeah. I can shape him however I want. Yeah. Whereas Cass is like, I'm going with this, but every bone in my body says don't do it. Yeah. And, and we have that palpable moment, that palpable tension where Cass is hesitating at that last moment on actually handing the horn to Belfagor. And mm-hmm. we, we, we as the audience were asking ourselves, oh, is he going to do it? Is this mm-hmm. the moment when he is going to challenge Belfagor? Is he going to go with that gut feeling? But, but Ardet interrupts. Yes. And she fucking tosses Cass across the room. Mm-hmm. And we can see Belfagor is trying to play this casual, but Ardet is essentially spilling the backstory that we never knew for him up to this point. Yeah. Um, she's saying, she's saying, I knew that the second these doors flew open, that you would be looking for a way to take power. And she pins him to the ground and she says, Lilith's crook. Good, good ploy, but you will never see the throne. Or she mm-hmm. says, you on the throne, never going to happen. And th- through this whole conversation, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? What? I, I need more. Tell me more. What? Oh, I know. What is Belfagor's story? Who is Ardat? And- it's done so wonderfully. Just like these tantalizing glimpses. It, they are glimpses. And... Arda is is saying like I will not let you rule, and she's tackled away by Cass, and and then Cass and Arda get into a tuffle, and and Arda pins ends up pinning Cass against the wall, and she says, "You know that he wants to rule hell, and it's all that he has ever wanted," and. And more tantalizing still, she says, mm-hmm. do you have any idea what he is? No, but I want to. <laughs> I know. But like, at the same time, like, it's so good that like what happens here. Okay, because Catch had an angel blade. Ardette scooped it up when she left and she's been fighting using it this time. But mm. since she is in the scrap with Cass, the, there's been an angel blade essentially come loose. Belfagor is the one who grabs it and uses it to stab Ardat. And so he just, he's cutting that conversation off quick and he's still trying to play it off smooth. Is he though? 
Is he? He is. Because Cass is like, what does she say? He's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Like, he's just straight up playing it that way. No, but what I'm saying is that he starts it like that. He starts it buddy-buddy. But when he says, you should go, Cass, he, I, I feel that he's dropped it. He's dropped that mask. He is getting so close to his goal that he can't help but break a little. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And, 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 you know, Cass says, no, what does she mean? And Belphegor says, Cass, you should go. Yeah, and, like, what I'm saying is, like, he's just straight up trying to play these things off as, like, don't worry about it. Look at your shit first. No, no, I know. Because it's not until he's holding the horn that he really is like, okay, we're done playing this game here now. I get to gloat because, checkmate, I've moved you. Wait, how does he get the horn? He picks it up? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know that Cass didn't give it to him. No, because Cass was holding it. It was like, fuck that. And what Belphegor did was blast him into the hallway. And so once Cass was at a sufficient distance away that Cass wouldn't be able to stop him, that's when Belphegor starts just talking. Well, well, that's where that's where the repetition came in. So, because because the first time that he says, you should go, Cass, um, it, it, he's still kind of half playing at that buddy buddy but but like Cass challenges him and when Belfort he pushes Cass away yeah it's that second I said you should go yeah but 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 Belfort has blasted Cass blasted Cass into the hallway and and this is that moment of betrayal that we have all yes. been waiting for. Yes, my we finally god. made it, lads. Oh my god. But wait, I have to backtrack one more time because we 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 just killed Ardat. Belfort killed Ardat, but but me, I'm sitting there like. Uh, wait, she still had more things to say. Who is Belphegor? <laughs> I need to know. But and I'm just like, what happens here is so perfect. Mm. It's so perfect. Because if we were following Chuck's script, Cass would allow what happens to happen. And they would have a new big bad. And we would have a new thing that we have to focus on and discover more about. And Cass breaks the script. Oh, shit. That's a hot take. Oh. Oh. Is that, like, okay? <laughs> no, that that's okay. That That is good. Because because me, I'm like, wait, they they did it wrong. I I feel like didn't get any resolution and i'm like that's 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 good because this is (laughs) it's what we have here is belphegor breaking into his monologue like i've waited all of this time and i'm using the horn i'm going to suck up all of the souls all of the things that belong in hell i'm going to become more powerful than a god and like thanks to you guys i now know that there's a vacancy in that seat so couldn't have done it without you, like blows a kiss, starts blowing on that horn. Oh so, my like, gosh, yeah. He's doing the supervillain mala. And like what we have Cass doing the equivalent of is going, fuck this. You don't get to be the supervillain. Like, and it's not Oof. shown in any like heightened emotional fashion. It's just Cass is doing what he needs to do, what is the right thing to do. 
I I really did adore this um this Belfagor uh alternative motivations reveal. Yes. The framing of this shot was amazing and we have Belphegor standing firm in the center of this room and he Backlit. had he had had Cass in his face demanding what do you want and now Belphegor is saying what do I want I got what I want and exactly. he has the horn and he says this is not just this is not just um a way to herd uh uh the souls of of hell it's a way to siphon off the energy of the souls of hell mm-hmm. and and i can absorb all those billions of souls and i can according to him does, does he say kajillions he says kajillions oh oh baby and and i can become as a god and and man you're so right because it if this was any other episode three, then this would be the big bad and of like, the season. Like, take a moment. Okay, reflect on this little bit here versus Kipling in episode one of season 14, where Kipling comes in. He's like, I'm doing the monologue. I want the Crowley deal. This is how things are going to be. And Sam goes, fuck that. No and shuts it down. They have their fight, and Sam puts his foot down and says, there will be no new king of hell. Yeah. Like, we have a smarter Kipling in this moment, essentially, where he's had a plan for thousands of thousands of years, and he's just waited for the prime opportunity to take advantage of it. And so when he went to the surface, he found himself allies, including an angel, that all he had to do was win over to bring downstairs so that he could activate this Lilith's crook and get what he wanted. Oh, one for B, you win. I love it. <laughs> like, it's it's really, really good. And again, I just, I'm really liking the lens of free will to look at our characters with and just yeah. seeing what it means for Cass because Cass is such a creature by nature who follows orders and yet he has evolved into someone with gut instincts, with these feelings, with a knowledge of what is right and wrong rather than what you should do and shouldn't. He knows that he's disobeying. He's going off the script that he was given by Sam and Dean, but he also knows he has to stop Belphegor. Belphegor's little villain monologue of, I'm going to be season six Godsteel and <laughs> use all the souls to take over shit. And Cass is like, yeah, been there. We are not letting that happen. Like, Man, and so there is a uh, Sam and Rowena spellcasting scene and and we'll come back to that because you know, yes, God bless. But um, but I do want to say that we have Cass has a decision to make. He yeah. has to make a choice. And and me as the viewer, like my main worry here is, oh shit, he's gonna get stuck down there. He's gonna I get know. stuck in hell. I've had that lead ball in my th- in my stomach since we were told that Cass would be going to hell with Belphegor. Yeah, there's been this running thread of, oh Cass, you don't want to get stuck. But that's a bit of that's a bit of an aside. Here, yeah. Cass is standing in the hallway and. 
and he could turn and return to the Winchesters or he can confront Belphegor and pretty much sacrifice himself to do it. And man, and, and, and Cass starts walking the wrong way. Yeah, so while this horn is being blown, there's this percussive power being thrown off of it. And Cass is being almost swept off his feet. He's really struggling to stand and move forward. And we see blood is leaking from his ears. And it's causing him pain to do this, but he is still approaching Belphegor. Yeah, we have Cass... Okay, so Cass has a choice here, but yeah. in all honesty, in the moment, there is no choice. I don't exactly. I don't want to see Cass throwing himself at the enemy alone in hell with when the stakes are so high. But he's so brave. He, and he really he's so must. honorable and just like yeah. I mentioned, he's in a lose 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 situation. So he's just trying to think like what is going to mitigate the most amount of damage. I know. Because, like, that can't be the first step of his plan. And then, oh, look, we're done. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it is one of those things where it's just, like, it could be so terrifying what it could have been. And there's no gratitude to Cass for the decision he makes, but I ultimately do think he did the right one. I, I agree. I agree. But, but, uh, I... As I, as I mentioned previous, um, when Belphegor first started blowing this horn, we did go back topside. Yes. And so we can see the ground has started to shake up and Sam and Rowena take this as their cue to start working the spell. And Dean is being very watchful of the souls that are now no longer pouring out from the Hellmouth, but are instead getting sucked in. Yeah. The Sam and Rowena spell casting... It's, it's a, some great shots. Um, I'm like, it looks like a wedding. They're holding aww. each other's hands. And I'm just like, very sad. I, I really liked it. I really like to see them working together on this. Yes. Yes. Honestly, like, I mean, shipping aside, just having these two characters, they have fought so hard for a relationship of trust. And here we see them working together. And anytime we get to see our leads, our faves work together, it's just so rewarding. Yeah. And and Dean is outside at the Hellmouth, and yes. it, we see this spell starting to take effect, and this fulcrum in the hex bag that uh, Dean has been tasked with starts to glow with yes. Rowena's magical aura, and he tosses it into the the Hell Abyss. Yes. And so once it is lobbed in, the Hellmouth starts to almost avalanche in on itself. We can see it's crumbling and attempting to close. And it's at this point where Cass has successfully worked his way through this percussive wind and he has reached Belphegor, has tackled him, and it has stopped the horn from blowing. And on the surface level, that means that there's no more souls being sucked in. And Sam, Dean, and Rowena are kind of like, well, what the hell just happened? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And and it, it's just, it's it's very abrupt. Everything topside just stops. And, yes. And they are thinking, you know, they're pinging like, okay, I don't know 
if that is right. But we're still in hell, and Cass has just tackled Belphegor to the ground, and and it. This is more emotional. This is more uncontrolled violence from Cass than I would ever expect from Cass. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this is Cass at his breaking point. It it really is. Um, it it reminds me of. It casts at the graveyard in episode 20 and he pulls up, he gets out of his truck. He is so defeated and he, he lashes out to hit the hood of the truck. And, and we had an entire conversation on like Cass, Cass isn't one to lash out like that. Yeah. Um, but man, we have, we, we, this is a dirty fight. It's not even a fight really. Which makes it worse, if you ask me, because Cass has Belfgar pinned to the ground, and he is 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 beating him down when when Cass has already won. And again, this is a kind of uncontrolled violence from Cass that that we would not expect from his character. But and I think that's just going to show how raw he is how heartbroken he is and how he has just reached his limit he doesn't have any outlet for his grief for jack and he's had to tolerate this intolerable ally who has just betrayed him with these grand machinations and he has to choose between saving himself or stopping this and he moves forward he stops him and it's just too much for him he breaks in such a human way all of his anger all of his hurt for how he's being treated everything to do with jack it's all pouring out through his fists right now and he's not even happy for it i would say because his target looks like jack Exactly. He knocks the glasses, the sunglasses from Jack's face. Not, hmm. Well, was that a Freudian slip or was it just the fucking it's, truth of the matter? It is It's Jack's what it feels like to face. him. Yeah. And, and Belphegor, in his final ploy, he looks up to, to, to Cass from... Jack's face to say, Cass, it's me, please. Yeah. It's me. It's Jack. Don't. He's and- invoking Jack in this moment to try and again just treat Cass as malleable. Yeah. And and Cass is fucking sobbing at this point. There's tears in his eyes. He's he's breaking. Like we said, this is not something we see Cass do. No. He has broken in such a human fashion. And with tears in his eyes, he is summoning his faltering powers. Ugh. He's getting just enough of his grace so that he can smite Belle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in this moment, I didn't know to read it as him just reluctantly summoning his powers or like you say fighting to summon his faltering powers but it from what we take away at the end of this episode i do believe that it's it's more of a 
it's more of a show of a struggle for him to muster the power to actually yeah. smite this demon rather than a reluctance to to yeah. do what he has to do. Yeah, like if I'm going to make up my own head canons about the way things work in the supernatural universe, I'm just imagining an angel on hell's turf. You know, you are in oh. hell's domain. You are as far from heaven as possible. And we saw last episode that Chuck's powers are also in limited at this point. So with all of these things combined, like Cass is literally as far from home as he could be. And he has to draw on his grace. He has to draw on his strength. And he was already weakened to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. We see him fight for it. And he he puts his palm to Belphegor's forehead and smites the demon from Jack's body. Yeah. And again, I'm like, my own headcanon's coming in. That we normally see just the demon basically futz out. The eyes shine and that's that. But what happens here instead is Belphegor in Jack's body begins to burn away. And I feel like, I'm not sure how to interpret that exactly. I do feel, again, it goes back to being on, you're not on earth, you are in hell. And this is an angel in unusual circumstances having to do this thing. I feel like a death for a demon in hell would be a lot more visceral and physical and grotesque. Well, there's that, but there's also, I don't know, this is Jack, and we have had Cass this episode say, you are wearing my son's face, and you are wearing his body. You're treating him as a coat, and and it is grotesque to me. And what, and for me, I mean, it, 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 I think it could be that, um, Cass is being forced to look at his son's face as he's burning out the the soul within it and I think that Cass with the lack of control that he has over his emotions right now and his grace and and how very angry he is at the entire situation I think that maybe to burn Jack completely was a choice and it wasn't oh my god remy i just had the thought that like he wouldn't be able to take jack's body out of hell and like there'd be too much danger of another spirit possessing him and so this was Cass giving an impromptu hunter's pyre to him Mm. thanks b you you did it (laughs) i did it you you made the thought happen. You you gave me inception. I I don't I don't disagree. I think that's what I'm saying. I I think yeah. that it was it it was a intentional move by Cass to destroy that visage. Of, I like that a lot better. Of of his dead son. Yeah, just his way of trying to do what couldn't be done before and give that hunter's wake that hunter's funeral in the only way he could yeah he he lost his son and then had to spend days seeing this this monster walk around in the corpse of his son and and i 
there's just so much anger and sadness and grief and resentment in in Cass here yeah. that I think that he had to destroy that. I can see it. Yeah, I like that. And it's just heartbreaking because he's had to grieve alone and here he's had to have this funeral alone. And like when it comes to Jack, he thought they had a family and he has had such a cold awakening in the last couple of days and realizing just how alone he was in that feeling. He doesn't think that Sam and Dean were in the same boat at all. And yeah. I can just imagine him questioning his perception you know, yeah. here I was thinking along all this time that we were family. You know, foolish me. Yeah. This. Fuck. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of talking about his anger at Belphegor coming out in this death here. But on grief, this is a funeral. We yeah. do, after Cass has killed Belphegor, we see him crying over what yeah. he's done. Like, anger might have lit this fuse, but it was grief who carried the flame. Yeah. Yeah. Cass takes a single breath, so- a single sobbing breath. A single and- broken breath. Uh, a single broken breath, and then we-, we-, we leave him at this scene. Yep. Yeah. And so, when we are back on the surface... um. Dean is breaking down what's happening outside as something doesn't feel right in a text or sorry, in a phone call with Sam. And we've seen Rowena. She, as soon as things started going a little wonky, like when Cass tackled Belphegor, we can see on her face that she realizes that their plan isn't working anymore and she needs to switch gears. And so... What she is doing as Sam is talking to Dean is she's picked up a knife and she's cutting into her shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, she gasps from the pain and Sam turns around and sees what she's doing. And he hangs up on Dean to say, Rowena, what are you, what are you doing? And she is digging into her shoulder and she is removing that a resurrection sachet she calls it she says the last of my little tricks but i won't need this where i'm going and and eh, yeah yeah cute (laughs) cue me on the couch fuck oh shit oh man i mean i this sounds really weird but i love this scene ruth you did like not just this scene, but all the scenes. But here, it's the beginning of the end, and Ruth in this scene where she's taking a knife to her shoulder and she is taking out that sachet and she is talking to Sam. I mean, Ruth, I love you so fucking much. I mean, we we are focusing in a lot on Rowena this scene, and we see in Ruth just these really strong emotions really subtle like a lot of subtlety in acting and I just really wanted to give a kudos to Ruth for oh hell yeah doing doing it right (laughs) yeah like from here to the end everyone is like knocking it out of the park oh yeah like 
sorry, like since Cass is broken, sob forward, like we are getting really high emotions that we seldom see unless the stakes are so high and the costs are so great. And as we're seeing, this is how it's going to play out. Rowena saying that Belphegor was their only shot, not hers. She still has faith in magic, in her weaving of a spell, and she's going to use death as a vessel for infinites. And so she is explaining that she can use just two ingredients, suck up all of these souls, and drop them back into hell. And Sam doesn't really get it yet, does he? No. Because she's teary as she's doing this, and he just is kind of like, where's this emotion coming from? Like, yeah. he, he's a bit futzed out at first. Yeah, yeah. He says, he's, he says, two ingredients that you've had this whole time, and you didn't say anything? And Rowena looks to Sam, and she does not want to be breaking this news to him, because he, he doesn't get it yet, again, but... Uh, she says, yes, yes. The first being my still flowing blood and the second being my last breath. And I can use my death to soak the, the, the souls of hell up for a time. And, and to perform the spell, I have to die. And you have to be the one that kills me. Yes. And it's such an interesting counterpoint to what we just saw between Belphegor and Cass, where there is this ulterior motive that the character has been holding and releases at an opportune time. Like, Belphegor waited and manipulated until he had what he wanted, but Rowena held on to this spell in the hopes that they wouldn't need to use it. Like, she was prepping herself for it, but praying that it wouldn't come to that, I think, while still knowing that it would, if that makes sense. Oh, no. You know what I just realized? Mm. From the moment when Rowena's spell broke and she realized that uh, by no conventional means could she bolster this barrier, she asked Sam... I need a moment. Mm-hmm. And and she's sitting alone on those stairs and she is looking at that at the book of the dam at that page mm-hmm. that is chakras that yeah yeah that we that we can presume is this um sacrifice. I, well, I would say it's the inciting thought or it's giving her she's pausing and considering it then. Oh yeah. She is sitting there going, like, she's kind of looking at, okay, we're all going to die. Okay, death. Death can be a vessel. I can use this. Like, that's kind of the way I interpreted the stream here. I think it could go either way. I think both interpretations are valid, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because because when when we first got the impression that she was hiding something from Sam, she is not ready to reveal this last chance. No, she's not ready to to commit to this. Now here, uh, when their second try at hope is yanked out from under them, she knows what she has to do. Yeah, I feel like it was an evolving experience for her. Like 
she could feel it and she's fighting against it because we will see as she's speaking to Sam kind of the languages that she's choosing to discuss for it. It feels very intentional as her convincing herself or at least maintaining that last facade that she wanted for how she wants to be perceived. You're right. You're right. Because she says, uh, to, to perform this spell, I have to die. And it must be you, Sam, who kills me. And yes. Sam says, uh, no, no, it, it, yeah. it can't be. And yeah. and Rowena says, it is you. It must be you. It's in death's books. And Sam says, screw the books. No, I won't. And, yeah. and this is when Rowena goes in to say, like, I cannot do this myself. Yeah. Uh, and she is, she is, again, that heightened emo- emotion. Ruthie, oh my God. Oh my fucking God. So good. Oh my God. I, I, I can't do this myself. And, and I don't, I don't care about anything enough to take my own life. But I believe in prophecy and I believe in magic. And we have everything here. The stars have aligned, and yeah, I know I'm in my here, bones, and you're here. Yeah, that just like got me right there. You're, yeah, yeah. She says oh, we have everything we need to end this now, and mm-hmm. and this is what we have to do. Yeah, she's trying to force him to hold the knife, and they're kind of struggling about its position because she's pulling him closer. She has her hands clasped around his around this knife, and he's just keeps on trying to pull away. Yeah. But she's—it's like you said. She goes, "I know this in my bones. It has to be this way. Do it. Kill me, Samuel." And he still is hesitating and she i said she clasps his shoulder because she's too itty bitty to like put a hand behind his neck and pull oh him down but she's trying to reassure him and takes this moment to say i know we've gotten quite fond of each other haven't we oh my god Whoa. but but can you let yourself die your brother die, the world die, just so that I can live. Mm-hmm. And like you said, she is holding on to him and looking into his eyes. And and you, you know what you said um, in our after talk yesterday? Mm-hmm. You said, I really like that it was ultimately her choice. Yes fulfilling this prophecy fulfilling this 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 um narrative thread that we have been you know both building to and dreading for many years now um Mm -hmm. that 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 sam will be the one to uh, kill rowena um for it to have been rowena's choice yes it makes the world a difference like it does She is asserting her autonomy here and she's doing it in a way that is still so, it's her old instincts, you know? She's like, I don't love anything. I don't love anyone. It's me, myself, and me for (laughs) second and third. And she's holding on to that front. It's 
not true anymore. And I think that she realizes it and it frightens her that it's not true. And so what she is doing is she's grasping on to those things she holds so dear to her definition of self. She's like, I believe in prophecy. I believe in magic. And here we have like, here are the things that I believe, goddammit, and this is why I'm doing it. And she is trying to mask the fact that this is something she would do for them. Yeah. um, She says, like, there, there's nothing in this world that could make me in my own life. But she is the one who is holding Sam's hand. She is yep. the one that is pulling Sam in. And she is the one who, like like we've said, is making the this decision. So she is. She there mm-hmm. is something in this world that that she cares enough about to make this sacrifice for. And in her mind, she's trying to, like you said, she's trying to hold on to those things that she quote unquote believes in most. But I think that, I think that it is her holding tightly onto what she thinks of herself. Yes. Versus. Like we see where she was at the beginning of this episode, where we saw her overwhelmed with the emotions of these spirits that were attacking the wall. And I feel like that was a very intentional move with the script and everything to have her go to that moment where she is vulnerable and afraid and she recovers herself, but it almost grounds her. She has now... It, it is like a signal to us story-wise that she is engaging herself on an emotional level and she's hiding this point from the boys around her. But she is willing to die for them. Like, this isn't the Rowena of old that goes, oh, it's too difficult. Bye, bitches. I'm going to save me. She There's zero sense of her willing to do that what she's doing is she's laying out the terms and conditions that she's dying under she's saying no i'm not killing myself you're killing me and you're doing it because it's prophecy and i feel it in my bones this is the way it's gotta go so here is me putting my stamp on my death yeah even though that's not the only way it could be interpreted that's the way that she is choosing to go yeah yeah um I mean, the last time that all hope was lost uh, in season 11 with Amara, uh, her plan was to send herself back in time. And you know what? The world's fucked. There's nothing I can do about it. But I could go back another 300 years and just cheat the system. Yeah. Can't, can't save the world now, but I can save myself. Yeah. And she's not doing that anymore. Yeah. And like we know that the books that Billy have are not necessarily set in stone because of the way it played out with the Moloch box. Mm -hmm. So there is no saying that this was Sam needed to kill her, but she is framing it as a thing that he is doing as a favor to her. almost. Like she is approaching this prophecy with such strength and also doing her best to mitigate what Sam needs to do as well. Yeah. And Sam, oh my god, when when Rowena says uh, I know that and she says it with such ruefulness too, 
we've gotten quite fond yeah. of each other, haven't we? But but you cannot let the world die for for one woman, will you? Yeah. And Sam is crying. Marina is crying. So crying. I'm crying. And when she asks that question, Sam says no. And mm-hmm. she he he pulls Rowena into a hug and slides the knife home at the same time. Yeah. Like, <sighs> uh I when we hear of the prophecy, like I said, I was like, I want lovingly taking Rowena off life support. And <laughs> like that that's kind of what's happening here. She is saying, no, like, this is what needs to happen. This is what is going to happen. And there's no wrath. There's no anger. There's no heat of any hard feeling. Uh-huh. It's only these soft sorrow and just the love and respect that they have for each other that is being evoked here. And it just, it gets spelled out so perfectly with Sam leaning in, giving her that full body hug, yeah. and then sliding the knife at the same time. Yeah. And she puts her hand to Sam's chin and says, that's my boy. Yeah. And I'm on the floor <laughs> for, for a few minutes. It's fine. <sighs> that's my boy. That's my boy. And then she turns the knife just mm. making sure it's fatal essentially yeah yeah and so while this heart-wrenching m- moment was mm-hmm. happening we were getting some very brief splice cuts that were with Cass returning from hell and speaking with dean so Cass has returned and he's breathless and he- dean is just essentially like what the hell happened and yeah. Cass is speed running the story of what happened in hell. Yeah, Dean says, Where, "Where's Belfagar?" And Cass says, "I I killed him." And what? <laughs> uh, what? And then Dean says, "What about the crook?" And Cass says, "It was destroyed." What? Dean's face, like it is pure disbelieving shock, like. I laughed, <laughs> but it's so it, was, good. it was really good. It was, it was funny, but yeah, he's just, I'm sorry. What? And, but yeah, that, I mean, I mean, it all went to shit. And like thinking from Dean's perspective, he doesn't know what's going on with Sam and Rowena. He doesn't know what's going on with Belfagar or Cass. And so basically one half of the team came back and is like, yeah, the crook is fucking hooped. So he's like, that's one half of our plan that's fucked right now. And he even goes like, Cass, this was our only shot. What the hell were you thinking? And Cass goes to speak, goes to defend himself. But they notice that the ghosts around are now, they're not being siphoned down into the hellmouth, but they're being siphoned back behind them. And they realize it's into Rowena. Yeah. Yeah. And man, this episode is so pretty. I hate it. I know. I I hate it. it. Because we have Rowena resplendent in that pink dress that I made fun of last after talk, but I actually really like this time. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I'm actually seeing the the episode, I like it. Um, But she is just walking from the crypt. She, her, her wound is glowing with her 
power and she is absorbing these souls. She has Sam trailing behind her. There is so much pain in this scene um, from, mm-hmm. from both of them. And uh, Cass and Dean are looking to Rowena, not really knowing what's happening, but they, it takes one look from Sam to know yeah. that this is nothing good. Yeah. And, and Rowena comes to the edge of uh, the, the hell mouth and, She's looking to each and every one of them with fondness. Fondness. Yeah. I wasn't going to say with sorrow, but I also didn't want to say with like a reassuring it's going to be okay kind of gaze. It's just a, it's just a simple goodbye. Yeah. It's, it's a last look and she is committing them to memory and she is showing that fondness that she would deny herself any other day. Absolutely. And they and they know what's happening. They look just as pained as I mean it's a it's a painful situation. Rowena gets a smile and she says goodbye boys and falls into the abyss. Yeah. She does the swan song dive yeah. into the hell mouth. She does. And it starts to close behind her. And I have in my notes, everyone is underlined bummed, underlined twice out. <laughs> everyone is bummed out. Oh, man. And you know what? It's like uh, Cass's face. Oh, he's Got so broken. Too. He's he is confronted with these unexpected consequences, and it's it sucks. Everyone's bummed out, and I'm just like Cass. Don't hold yourself to blame because you don't make the decision for Rowena. You know, like yeah, hmm, fuck yeah. It was a really good goodbye. Yeah, nothing was said. But it was a really good goodbye. I, I'm i like 20 seconds of anger that I could just lash out about the fact that, okay, cool. That was like the last of our leading ladies that we've killed off. And like it was within five episodes of each other that we killed Mary and Rowena. And fuck, they better bring her back because it would be so fitting for her storyline if she was part of like either Heaven and Hell being remade or if she came back, but she had to be someone that didn't have the front of her powers. Like if she came back and she didn't have her powers anymore. Like, I'm like, for to kill her on episode three, I'm like, you please, for the love of God, bring her back. I think we will. I think, I think we, we will. Gotta. This is not, this is not, um, uh, unlike Mary, where we did close that door, mm-hmm. like, literally. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I do think that we will see Rowena again. But it's still extremely painful because no matter what iteration of Rowena we see next, it's never it's never going to be the same as what we had, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I think that we're going to see Rowena again. Yeah. I, I would like to see the narrative reward her for embracing that prophecy and essentially 
turning it in a way we wouldn't have expected, like a way we would hope that they could avoid. The fact that she embraced it and she did it on her terms, I would like to see that rewarded with her returning well, to the story. Well, I mean, it, the prophecy is just her death. So this was her death. This was the death of her yeah. character. But I think that we will see her again. Um, it, it, whenever we do see her again, it will be in her in her wh- whatever form of the afterlife they're going to build for her. So I'm thinking it's going to be as a big, big player in hell. Um, I would like to see her either mcguffin return because i'm fine with that we've already shown in this show that death is not the only high stakes that happen um and if we don't mcguffin return her then to see her as a critical element in the restructuring of heaven and hell i would like that i feel like we made a point to be like her permanent death is by sam's hands um and and she took that resurrection sachet to say where I'm going, I won't need this. There, I don't think there is that there is going to be a human return for her. I think I that, yeah, I understand. I agree yeah. with that too. But I'm also like I am not above a MacGuffin. <laughs> I don't think that they would do it. But I guess where I'm coming is that as a overarching story that we are provided by the current showrunners and the current writing team we tend towards seeing our characters rewarded with their found family and Uh so to remove Rowena from the board so early in this season speaks to me that she's not gone permanently no at least that's my hopes and how it would fit in the narrative I agree I agree that it it narratively we should not think that this is the end of Rowena. Yeah. So. Fingers fucking crossed. Hoof. <laughs> we are at the bunker. Yes. Dean is in a Henley and he's gone <laughs> to check on Sam. I have my priorities right. You do. You do, don't you? It's, well, okay, we could sit there fucking talking metaphors. Dean thinks that they have won, that they've beaten God. This is it. Done. So, like, the protective layers of clothing are gone. He's literally, like, stripped down to one shirt. And since when do we see a fucking Winchester with only one layer on? So here he is, basically, like, we're being given visual cues that he feels safe. Yes. That... He is outside of the maze and he can relax and let his guard down. Fuck! Yeah, Remy, let's continue because there's two Thanks scenes. Thanks for that in- one. Hey, I really I really did also like Sam's uh, flannel and mm-hmm. white undershirt combo here. They both mm-hmm. looked really good. I was like, you see his bare foot. A <laughs> giant man. <laughs> his giant man foot. I just, I was taken aback. I was like, I thought Americans sleep with their shoes on. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm being a little facetious. You, you animals wear them inside the house. It's baffling to me. We but do. I, that's why I was expecting them to be wearing shoes still here. <laughs> and then to see a barefoot, I was like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Dean, 
Dean in a Henley Dean is, a is, Henley. is at the bunker. He, the first shot is this like fucking stupid, pretty shot. I'm, I'm tired of the pretty shots. I'm supposed to be sad. I don't want to be admiring the scenery right now. Did you see Mariah line up? Dean in this hallway with Dean at the end of this episode, the uh, framing yes. and everything. Yes, yes, yeah. that's that's our first, that's our opener. He's in the hallway and he and he enters Sam's room. Sam is uh sitting up in his bed. He looks tired, but <sighs> I don't know. He just looks fucking sorrowful. He looks wrung out. Yes, exactly. Dean, um, he props himself uh, up against Sam's desk and asks if uh, Sam's okay. And Sam won't answer. Yeah. He he goes, how are you doing? And Sam's just like, how's Harlan doing? Yeah. Dean says that uh, it, Harlan is as good as it can be stevie says that they're letting everyone settle back in and and everything seems okay over there but they did find um catch yeah dead. yeah and he says don't really know what happened there but looks like it was a demon and yeah it's just this moment of fuck yeah and Sam in this moment uh you know Jared actually in this whole scene he he really he really did a wonderful job um but Sam looks to the ceiling and it's just he sags that much further mhm this is just one more dollop of defeat mhm mhm and but, Dean's trying to shore him up trying yeah. no 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 like we did it though man it's over God threw one last apocalypse at us and we beat it. Yeah. Dean, it's episode three. You'll learn. But <sighs> And I'm like, it doesn't feel like a win, does it? No. No, That's it really does thing. not. That's the thing. It's like we we're 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 sitting here and Dean is saying, like, we won. This is the end. Like we made it through. But <sighs> here, let's look at Supernatural as a whole. Okay, mm-hmm. 15 seasons and to have Dean and Sam alone sitting here having lost everything because they have lost everything. We see them. Well, not yet, well, but, but, but we see so close. <laughs> we just see this Sam and Dean. We won. We made it through. But... On both ends, it's a very, very hollow victory. Yeah. And it's not on any terms that they would consider victory. No. No. Because victory to them is still, like, it's evolved over the 15 years, like you said. It's no longer, the two of us are still standing, us against yes. the world. Yes. Yes. It's, it, we have them here just alone. And, and that's no longer the, the end game. And I love that the narrative is really, I feel like the show is just going to hammer that in for us. Yes. That if this is where we're starting the season, then the following of this, the remaining 17 episodes or whatever, I am hoping to God is all about 
no, this isn't enough. We need our people around us and we need them safe. And like our life is not just you and me. It is the network we have built with the world. Exactly. Exactly that. Because we're here right at the start. Let's just look at the, like what the show is trying to tell us. We're here right at the start of the final season. We know that there is going to be an end. Yeah. And, and like what we just saw here was the three episodes season premiere. Like we were told there was this yeah. three episode arc. Yeah. So this is what the premiere of this season is telling us. Right. And we have Dean sitting here saying, we won. It's over. And... And so we have this quote unquote end, but it's such an unhappy ending all told at the end yeah. of the day. So, so for, for the premiere to be showing us what could be, but what is wrong mm-hmm. for what is wrong for an ending for this show. Yep. It, 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 it just tells me that, by the end of season 15, by the time we get to the true end of the series, yes. we we will have that compare and contrast like, no, this is not what we need. This is not what we want. This is not season yes. two. Oh. Yeah. This is no longer enough for us. Yes. Yes. We are. We, we're going to do better than this. Yes. So, yes. I... I, I really, really like that we're, well, uh, that, that sounds horrible, but I was going to say, I really like that we're ending on this low mm-hmm. where where I'm seeing it is that we can only go up from here. Yeah. We now have a narrative in place that is about how fighting to keep the family is the ultimate fight. Like Yeah. But yeah. To wrap up this scene, Dean yeah. does take a moment to reassure Sam that what you did, Rowena, you didn't have a choice. And Sam doesn't look like he believes this, but he does agree. Do you think that it, Sam doesn't agree that he didn't have a choice? And you know what? That is not the kind of language that Dean should be using, is it? That's a very telling thing. This is the old language again, and it's just not working. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't know if I should read that as Sam disagreeing that he didn't have a choice and that he feels guilt for maybe making the wrong choice, or if Sam was acknowledging that he truly did not have a choice, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt. Yeah, that's the one that I'm hearing. Yeah. That he understands as a situation, but this is no comfort to hear. Yeah. Again, that old language, that that false free will, it's it's not a comfort to hear. Yeah. And again, because Dean tried to use that we don't have a choice language in the finale of season 14. And Sam was the one who sat down and said, we always have a choice. That's our whole thing. Free will is our thing. And so I think it's really like those elements, knowing that they're alive up to that point, that free will was such a muddy subject that they weren't aware of. And then to be sitting here now, knowing that you are, you believe you are after you know, the post-Chuck uh-huh. world. So your choices are your own. And yet this was the choice you made, but you didn't really have one. Like, I feel like there's all of that complexity to it that Sam is struggling to swallow, but 
tries to just accept by going, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that we're going to get a little bit more pushback from Sam later because because Dean is still at such a fucking low and mm-hmm. I, I and he needs a fucking come to Jesus moment. <laughs> yeah. And I just I want to take a moment to just like put this in the back of our mind that what you did, Rowena, you didn't have a choice. This show, this episode narratively was set up that we have this mirror between Rowena and Sam and Belfagar and Cass. And uh, just in this next scene that we have here, Dean doesn't go to Cass and say, you didn't have a choice. He goes to Cass and says, you made the wrong one. Holy shit, B. You should do this professionally. Somebody pay me! (laughs) Like... Again, like, just take a second there. Dean didn't know what was going on with either one of these pairs. Oh, my God. He didn't. So to Sam, he's going, you didn't have a choice. And then in this next scene, to Cass, you made the wrong one. Again, and if Belfagor in that crypt had had turned to Sam and said, I I want Sam to come with me. Yep. Dean. Dean would have been, fuck that, eight ways to Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is unfair, mm-hmm. and we're going to address it right in this next scene. Yes. So we transition to the library. Dean is there grabbing a drink. He's still in that beautiful Henley. <laughs> and now is just the worst moment. <laughs> what is it about the bunker lighting that just... You know, it used to be in season one, season two, I I would say put that man in the sun because he just fucking glows. But <laughs> but here there's something about the the bunker lighting that just uh, okay. Anyways and, and again the Henley he's vulnerable. He has yeah. stripped away all the layers and uh, here's Jesus, he's a Cohen. Oh my god. So Dean pours his drink and and we hear from off screen Cass say how's Sam and and Dean takes a healthy sip and says he's not great. Yeah, he's just brusque right away. Yeah. And Cass is apologizing. He's like I'm sorry about Rowena and Dean just jumps in to chastise him oh for going God. off script. He says, you're sorry. Uh, it, why couldn't you have just stuck with the damn plan? He's he's saying, you're sorry? This is your fault. Mm-hmm. You don't have the right to be sorry. And poor Cass. Yeah. 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 Cass says... The, the plan changed. Something well, went wrong. Well, like, Belfiger is lying, and Dean's yeah. like, duh, Belfiger's a demon. And right. But, and like, Cass, Cass is still trying to illustrate, like, no, like, you don't understand the depths to which he was going to suck up every soul, he was going to become a god, and Dean, again, does not fucking care. He's saying, no. we would have figured it out after, with Rowena, like... This is yeah. not about going off script. This is about the grief of losing another ally and Rowena to boot. Yeah. Yeah. And he is blaming Cass for it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Dean, you weren't there. You don't know. And you were just, again, using Cass as your personal punching bag. And, 
and Cass is trying to explain himself when, even though I personally believe that he has nothing to explain, um, Cass says, uh, uh, the, the plan changed. Something went wrong. You know that something always goes wrong. And Dean. And Dean. Dean. Dean lines that stiletto up between the ribs and just goes, why does that something always seem to be you? And uh, that is the straw that breaks the camel's back. That's the blow too low. And you can see Dean even recognizes it. He does. He does. You see Cass physically reel back from that. Yep. And you see Dean almost but not quite flinch away from what he just said. Yeah, like, if he wasn't so proud in his anger, if he wasn't yeah. so saturated in it, he would take it back. He, but he, he has just a, has a stubborn... Yeah, he has a, a, a split second moment of, I shouldn't have said that, yeah. but, but, but then he hardens himself back to, but you know what? I maybe shouldn't have said it, but I still feel that I'm right yeah. here. He's self-righteous still in his emotions. Yes. yes. And poor Cass here. This is such a heartbreaking speech that he gives. I know. He starts out by just going, you used to trust me. Give me the benefit of the doubt. Now you can barely look at me. And like at that point, Dean makes a point to look up and almost glare at him. Again, it's that self-righteousness. Like, Dean is trying to be like, no, you're not right. But he has kind of shut his mouth in this moment and is letting Cass... Because it, it feels grave. It feels dire as Cass is saying this. Yeah. And Cass, oh my god, my poor soul. He gets so vulnerable here. He says, my powers are failing and I've tried to talk to you over and over and you just don't want to hear it. You don't care. I'm dead to you. You still blame me for Mary. Yeah. And again, we see Dean, without speaking, doing this acknowledged yes, not like, yep, yeah, you're right. And you know what's so hard about that? It's that Cass says, I'm trying and you just don't care. I'm dead to you. And it's like, Jensen. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. Because in Dean, in response to, I'm trying, but you don't care. You still blame me for Mary's death. It is a war within Dean because for Cass to say, you just don't care. That's like not true. We know it's not. But it, it, Dean does still blame Cass for Mary's death. Dean is still he is still hurt and he is still angry and that is at war with how much he truly does care for Cass. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is that unlike with Sam, who checked in, you're angry, but just I need to know that you're not angry at me and Dean can say, no, I'm not angry at you here Cass can't receive that same 
yeah. validation. He doesn't even it know would how, be a he lie. doesn't even know how to ask for it, really. Or or do you think that he is asking for it here in the same way that Sam was asking for it earlier? I and... think in this moment, Cass is just laying out how broken he feels. Mm-hmm. And he's really giving Dean an opportunity to speak up. Yes. And to respond in some fashion. And the fact that Dean doesn't speaks more to Cass than... Like, it is right. an answer in and of itself. Yeah. He says, you're right. You're absolutely right. Cass then says, well, I don't think that there's anything more to be said. He turns away. Well, he Mm -hmm. turns and Dean, that's when all of a sudden he snaps to and goes, where are you going? Right. And Cass turns to say, Jack's dead. Chuck's gone. You and Sam have each other. I think it's time for me to move on. And like... That listing through there, I'm just, like, thinking of Cass is doing a wellness check for his family, essentially. Mm-hmm. My son's dead. My father's missing. My remaining family doesn't Hates need me. me. I have to find something else. Yeah. Well, you know what? I said hates me, but you were right when you said doesn't need me. Because, you know... We we unfortunately don't get a Sam and Cass conversation, but but I think that the real uh betrayal here is uh in the Cass and Dean relationship. Well, what we've seen is Dean is much more volatile and yeah. lashing out at Cass. We saw last episode in episode two. Cass was trying to express his concerns for the people, for their well-being. He was trying to talk to Sam, and Sam was just shutting it down, saying, no, this is what we have to do. We have to look at the big picture. And so Cass turning to Sam as an ally, he wasn't being heard. Yeah. And Same with Balfagor. Yeah. And then Cass turning to Dean is shut out. He's iced out. And yeah. so Cass is like, all of the doors are essentially close to me. Like, I have walked as close as I can to these people and I've extended my hand and they are not taking my hand. I have to take that for what it is. You know, yeah. Cass is realizing you can't keep giving until you're an empty bucket. Like, yeah, he's met the limit of the reserves he's willing to give. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I was thinking on Cass and Sam, I was thinking more on last season with Absence, where Dean was lashing out at Cass, but Sam was trying his best to be a supportive presence for Cass. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw Sam, you know, being a friend to Cass and, and being someone that Cass could rely on except for episode 20, episode 1, episode 2, now. Um, yeah, because at yeah. that point, Sam is dealing with the aftermath of knowing the truth of Chuck. Like, unfortunately, everyone is so burdened by their own mindsets right now, and they're not doing a great job of supporting each other because they're so close to survival mode. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's just that... Cass is saying, you and Sam, you have each other and you don't need me. So I I think it's time that I leave and I'm not needed anymore. So Cass walks away. 
And Dean lets him go. And I do also think, like we mentioned yesterday in the after talk, we talked about this, but there is an element to it too of Cass saying, like, my powers are failing. Yeah. And I've tried this over and over. Like, that it's not necessarily even an element that's really drawn to it, but after that conversation between Belfagor and Cass in Hell, I can see that as being one of those darker thoughts that can be with Cass in this moment is yeah. my usefulness with you guys is done. It is a sticking point for him. And uh, I I do think that um, it is maybe at the forefront of Cass's mind. I think that it might be one of Cass's primary motivations for leaving here that he he doesn't feel useful he doesn't feel wanted he doesn't need to be here and is that i don't need to be here i'm not contributing anything which is which is a a, a really toxic thing for him it's a knee-jerk thing for him it is really toxic and i don't think that he is yet to the point of acknowledging it for i mean i mean where i stand here is kudos to Cass for removing himself to the situation I don't think that in his mind I think I don't think that he's quite there yet on the the all the right reasons for removing himself for this from the situation but I think that it is actually in Dean that we see that revelation that realization that Cass is is really hurting and that it's Dean's fault. And I don't think that Dean is yet at the point where he can take accountability for those acts. Yeah. But I think that Dean does recognize that this is a result of his actions he has failed Cass in this situation and while he is now blaming Cass and and, and and he thinks that it's Cass's failings it's it's not and I think that um when we do revisit this I think that it's going to be Dean who is acknowledging who is acknowledging his his fault in the matter I I would say there's a step between that. I don't think that this episode, this scene was necessarily his wake-up moment. I think that what has happened to him is the bucket of ice water has splashed him in the face and he just hasn't reacted to it yet. Yeah. So who knows if he's going to react immediately with anger or denial or like one of the five stages of grief but i don't think that he's going to skip to acceptance in a quick or clean fashion absolutely agree i think that like you said it was a bucket of ice water to the face he is now confronted with the consequences of his actions consequences that he wasn't expecting and, and consequences that Cass never necessarily held him to in the past. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why Dean became complacent in his treatment of yeah. Cass. Like I said in the group chat earlier, like he got so used to Cass being the rock he could pound his fists against. Yeah, that now Cass has 
said that's enough and he yeah that rock is gone so yes where does he so what does that mean vent where does he go when that support has been pulled away yeah so it's it's some very Big questions rich and i am like it's going to be rewarding territory to explore i'm i'm very excited we kind of knew that this fallout was coming Mm-hmm. And not not just like new by spoilers, not spoilers, but but we we have been building up to this for for a while now. So yeah, since game night. Yeah. So um I think that it was done very well. I couldn't imagine a better fallout. I I mean it was it was just it was perfect. It was it was yeah. great. We got so much emotion from Cass. We got we got so much nonverbal fucking things to think about from Dean. <laughs> <laughs> what are words? But <laughs> it was good. Thumbs up. Yes. And so our final note here, we see Cass leaving up the stairs. And Dean is still sitting in the library and he's just shell-shocked. And again, I'm like, he's sitting there in his Henley. So, like, we have the visual cues that he thought he was safe and he thought that, like, he thought he could be vulnerable. And he hadn't even realized that this was a bomb that he basically detonated on himself. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. I absolutely adore that interpretation i it's because it's it's so true it's so true yeah i'm like since when do we see this boy in a beautiful henley it doesn't (laughs) happen often enough so i'm gonna stare at i'm like you guys did this for a reason (laughs) i i i feel very it's painful it is painful but i feel very gratified by this this fallout this confrontation like i messaged lee's and i had like the heart's eye emoji followed by the sobbing emoji (laughs) i was like both of these things are happening inside of me at the same time it was very well earned yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so (sighs) final final takeaways that's the final scene um b what's your final takeaway i did it last week so (laughs) um do you want rowena or do you want Cass? (laughs) <laughs> I, <laughs> I set this up like you don't have other choices what other choices would you like for me well how okay how about this my final takeaway from this episode is actually that sam dean conversation about the end mm. the, the false end yes of our narrative of our story because what, it, what it's telling us for the future yeah, yeah. What if what if last episode we didn't have Chuck um and, and we didn't know that that Chuck was stuck on earth and that there was still more to come? What if we had a bit more of a epic music moment at the end of this episode and then that that's just it. That's it. That's the series. We 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 won. We're free. What yeah. if we ended what if we ended on that Sam Dean conversation? Yeah. We and uh, uh, like, that's not a win. That doesn't feel like yeah. a win to the audience. That doesn't feel like a win to the characters. And I'm like, God bless you guys for, like, doing that in three episodes. Yeah. Because this yeah. whole season could have been about, like, fighting against Chuck. 
and the fight for free will. And who knows, it might still be. But what we feel right now is that our characters believe that this is a victory, that this is something that they've achieved. And it just doesn't feel at all like a win. No. And to to take this um to take this where we're at now and to say it's over we won this is the end and we know it's not and we know that we can now take this moment here and then 17 episodes later compare and contrast it to what the true ending is and this is not an end that we would want to see, but this is an end that could have fit in. We could have ended this way, but we're choosing not to. Yeah, like imagine season five. The writers are telling us that we're not ending this way and yes. that there are better things to come. So that's my final takeaway. Yes. Huh, that means that I have to choose between... <laughs> Casserolina. You have to choose. Don't do this to me. I choose both. Ah, You can't choose both? Fuck you, this is our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Police, come and stop me. Okay, 20 seconds. 19, 18. No, fuck you, you can't stop me! I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm so stressed now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm gonna like eat my ring. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So, Rowena. What we saw from Crass and Rowena in this episode was they were almost being treated like... Like, there was the parallels that were going on in their stories. Where Mm. things went off the rails and they exercised their free will. They made their choices and they did what they could to better and protect those ones that they love. And... I just am so fascinated in the compare and contrast that we're seeing, like the punishment and the victories that are happening for our characters too. That Sam for his decision-making regarding, and I know that it's like, okay, if you sit down and it's Cass versus Sam in the parallels, but Rowena was the one who was driving that call and ultimately left Sam with, the position of you either do what I'm asking of of you or you make me do this. And Sam couldn't do that. Well, you know where I'm seeing the the Rowena and Cass parallels is that in this episode we have both of our char- both of those characters saying goodbye. But Yeah. But we we know it's not a goodbye. Not really. We're um, seeing Sam and Dean, like their allies being whisked away since episode 17 of season 14 they've lost mary they've lost jack they've lost ketch they've lost rowena Cass has now walked away god is no longer on their side Mm. like they they've been stripped down to what once was the bare essentials Mm -hmm. and we are finding it wanting and so i just have so much gratitude towards Rowena as a character, her arc, just her self-determination that she was true to herself up to the very end, even when she didn't want to admit that her true self has evolved and changed into someone who does love. Yeah. 
And then to see Cass also have evolved and changed into someone who can say, I I don't need these kicks anymore. I have more worth than this. They're both such wonderful character arcs. I wish Rowena's didn't end with death. I would have taken depowering. I would have done it to keep <laughs> our ladies. Alive. I'm telling you. I'm I'm telling you. I think that she's gonna be back. Well, I of know, course, but she of still course. Died. Her. Uh, no, no. You're absolutely right. Her coming back is different from, and this is what you know. I was saying too, but mm-hmm. but her coming back is different from us killing her in the first place yeah it it it, it makes a difference so yeah i cheated i've picked (laughs) and Cass, but i feel like there are just these lovely parallels and they were both such critical elements to this episode like this was really a rowena and a Cass episode it was also a sam episode but we are seeing the importance in these side family members and how critical they are to the well-being of the Winchesters that we have here in the final season. And without them, how are we going to see the impact on our characters, Sam and Dean, going yeah. forward? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I feel that. I feel it. Fuck. Yeah. Three episodes yeah. in, Remy. It's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, episode three, the rupture, and mm-hmm. and next week we have a hiatus. Yeah. Uh, so so the show is taking a hiatus for Halloween night, and and so are we. we. Yeah, and so are we. <laughs> we'll be doing the same. Um, we will come back when the show comes back. So the week after next with season 15, episode four, Atomic Monsters. Yes. Yes. So you guys are used to it by now. Reach out to us on Tumblr, Twitter, email, whatever. Like, subscribe, review, tell a friend about us because we are small and we're trying to grow and we love you guys. Yeah, spread the word. We really want to share season 15 with you with you guys. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, you can also get uh, some of our bonus content on our Patreon uh, with uh, our show notes and with our after talk that we are want to mention. And uh, and and if you guys wanted to visit us there, uh, then that would be so cool. We loved. We are so flattered by your guys' support. Thank you. Yes. So see you guys. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I'm looking over the foot of my bed and all I see is this one white booted paw reaching up against the door and like oh. and then she's vanished